The first Simpsons Halloween, the Blair Witch is back and Saw moves into the third dimension this week on Welcome to 302010, ladies and gentlemen, the Laser Times weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years back to the past of all of our favorite, well, this week, Halloween-y movie memories, TV memories, uh, video games, music, and so very, very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Quoth the Raven, eat my shorts. It's Diana Goodman. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. And I'm so excited for this week. There are two, I think, of the best best examples of celebrating the Halloween institution in my lifetime occur in two different decades this week. I am very, very happy to talk about it. Mm. I saw a tweet this week that I wholeheartedly agree with. I don't know why streaming services have not put together, like, here's all the Halloween episodes of your favorite situation comedies. Like, yeah. I watch them all in the row or all the Thanksgiving episodes. Like, Hulu, please. Hulu does that, but no, they never did it really well. And they did it yeah. in, a, in a giant list of, like, no, no, I don't like, I won't watch all these shows, but uh, a certain streaming service I'll tell you about in a second did it phenomenally, and I hate very much that I have to watch things there, but, so, but I'll tell you about that in a second. I do have to say, 302010 is executive produced this week by Wes Skirvin. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, because I read it all the time and never thought how to pronounce it out loud until just now. Love you, Wes. Uh, thank you, and the many other people at patreon.com slash lasertime for as little as five bucks. Help us keep this show and many others on the air this week. We will have a brand new episode of 302010 Games up for you uh, this week. Uh, new episode of Sick of Star Wars coming very, very soon. New episode of Bonus Time and many, many, and over 100 movie commentaries. And we're doing more over on Maddie C. Allen's uh, uh, Twitch channel. I believe the last one we're doing for Halloween is Phantasm, which I have never seen. Ooh. Yeah. That movie's got balls, but I can't, I can't, that's all I know. That's all I know. I cannot wait to watch that uh, with people live on Twitch. So, um, yeah, patreon.com slash laser time will get you access to all that on demand for as little as five bucks a month and help support your friends and our equipment. Anyway, 302010, we're talking about October 23rd to the 29th across three decades, 1990, 2000, and 2010. So grab yourself a chair and get ready to remember where you were when all this stuff came out because I know we say it all the time, but. You'll never remember exactly what state of mind or physical presence you were in better than when someone's like, oh, here's a movie, or that you saw the commercial for this thing the first time. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And it'll just bring you right back. I, I like uh, the, the memory of something coming up, like for me, like I remember the feeling of cushions. And the sound of the VC, VCR taping it. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm taping this. Oh my God. <laughs> And uh, to bring you back a little further, it was a minor nerd conversation, but since we're 30, 2010, and not yet uh, 50, 60, 70, as much as Diana may have wished it so, we had a nerdy little argument. Find that monkey's paw, God damn it. It's happening, everyone. 90, 80, 70. Next 90, 80, 70. I would, I would be totally down. Um, because yeah. we had a minor discussion over the merits of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and 30 years Ooh. ago this week, Nick at Night finally has something Halloween-y to shows and show, is showing a week-long marathon of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And my yes. girl, my girlfriend asked, yo, let's watch this Alfred Hitchcock Presents episodes. I have these that I love. I'm like, you, you do? And she's a little younger than me. And then, and then 
she's like, you don't like Alfred Hitchcock's Presents? And like, I loved Alfred Hitchcock's Presents. And then I saw The Twilight Zone and never thought about it again for a day. Oh, I, I never, it's not fair to compare the two. There, I, you know, I mean, we, I understand why people would make those as a, as a head-to-head competition. But Twilight Zone is sci-fi. Yeah. Generally. With, you know, some sort of twist ending. And Alfred Hitchcock Presents are, ten, are mysteries, generally. Mystery, yeah. Or just... Some or of the most thrillers. infuriatingly ambiguous. Watch the first episode. Like, what happened here? Oh, that's how you end this? <laughs> ah, I killed the guy for no reason. Yeah, sorry. I guess that would be a that's a good ending. But um, yeah, I'm not shitting on it because like I didn't realize. Uh, I've watched a ton of Hitchcock movies now, and I didn't see Psycho until very recently. And Psycho is the movie done by the Presents team, the television team. Because nobody wanted to make Psycho and they had to make it cheap. So Hitchcock used his TV series team. And that might be the most famous episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents that exists. <laughs> Psycho. Psycho if you're nasty. But uh, yeah, that's coming out. That's this week on Nick at Night, a channel most of you haven't thought about in 20 years. Um, I missed it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the 23rd to 20th. I want to say Peacock might have Alfred Hitchcock Presents now. They definitely do. Yeah. And on I their free tier. That's where we watched it. Um, because I mean, well, like Twilight Zone, you end up seeing a bunch of people before they were famous, mm-hmm. including like filmmakers too. Where it's like, this is directed by Steven Spielberg. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to yeah. think of them having any overlap, but I didn't. Isn't that one of Spielberg's stories? He snuck in, snuck on the set of a Hitchcock Presents, and sort of like really, really nursed his filmmaking bone runner, as it were. Sorry. Yeah, everyone. I think that's his first real gig. Yeah, is Alfred Hitchcock Presents yeah. and. Um, People looked at him funny because he was like 21 or something and like didn't know you're supposed to wear a suit. <laughs> you just imagine his puffy 60s hair stretching out underneath <laughs> that that fucking uh, mesh hat. Oh, Spielberg, never change. I love your come over. Don't, don't ever stop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's the biggest news I could find in 1990 uh, for the 23rd to the 29th. But we'll get into the movies real fast. And I assure you, out there somewhere, Steven Seagal's movie is doing way too well. Um, we also have new additions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody's Fine with Marcello yep. Mastriani. Mastriani. Yep. Uh, that's the original uh, Italian one directed by Giuseppe Tornatore, mm-hmm. not the De Niro remake that we talked about for 2010, mm-hmm. like a little while ago. Okay. So I just thought I'd throw that in there because I like when we hit them both. I, yeah, we have... the, the remake was so boring. Yeah. I'm just glad I can hear the word Giuseppe and it's not a slur someone is throwing at one of my older relatives. <laughs> And, and the or Pinocchio. I <laughs> know oh, that's Geppetto. Ugh, yeah, I'm the worst. It's both. It, I got them all as a little kid. Uh, the hot spot is out this week with Don Johnson, Virginia Madsen, and Jennifer Connelly. Boy, this sounds uh, lurid. It is. It is so lurid. <laughs> it is a straight up old fashioned noir. It's directed by Dennis Hopper, who I guess Don wow. Johnson was not a huge fan of working with him. Also. Um, was like thought he was making a different script, and then they're like, "Oh, by the way, no, it's it." You thought it was a heist movie? No, it's just like super old fashioned sexy noir about like a drifter comes to town and starts sleeping with the married woman, and then he like figures out how to rob a bank, and then she starts blackmailing him to kill her husband. And it is, I I love these kind of movies. I mean, I love just straight up noirs anyway, but like something about putting it in a you know in color in a dusty town where you can actually have the sex scenes that you couldn't have in the 40s mm. yeah virginia madsen's really good in it jennifer connelly's still like a baby but she's good at it. like yeah you want some good sultry kind of trashy stuff the hot spot is 
yeah, everybody is sweating and desperate to have sex with each other all the time. And then right. everyone is trying to murder everyone else. <laughs> okay. I, it almost sounds fun. I was uh, going to write the whole yeah. movies, all the movies off this week, uh, mainly because how, how mad I am with the, the endorsement the star made, <laughs> the star of this movie made this week. But oh. Ed O'Neill, Scott Bakula, Carrie Fisher, Bill Pullman, Jamie Gertz, Sam Elliott, and Christy Alley in a movie. I'm like, what? This exists? Feels like we would have seen more of this unless it's really terrible. Sibling rivalry uh, from 1990. She had a problem. You should get rid of Harry and have an affair. He had the solution. So what do you say? Rock and roll! Now he is the problem. How'd you kill him? Sex. Sex? But she has the solution. Suicide. Don't think like that. Not me. I see. He tried to kill himself with a laxative? That's disgusting. Sibling right. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Me? Rated PG-30. O'Neill's a cop. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, back when that, that te- this is a 10-year period where you wouldn't see Ed O'Neill in a lot else because he couldn't. Yeah. yeah, he's got a day job. He's busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this disappoints me because it's a black comedy and it's directed by Carl Reiner, R.I.P. Oh, I swear to God, if Trump wins again, I will burn things down for you, Carl. Yeah, I'll burn anyway. things down for, mo- for most of Americans. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm doing it for him. Yeah, I mean, right. come on. He was he was like 98 and all he wanted to do was live to see Trump lose. Yeah. And he didn't make it. And it sucks. Uh, yeah, his latter career is not so great. And here's one of those where it's like, I feel like the pace is off and it's like sometimes it's too frantic and sometimes it's not frantic enough. Just the idea of, yeah, Christy Alley cheats on her husband with Sam Elliott. Which we all understand. Mm-hmm. And, and he dies, and it turns out like that's actually her husband's long-lost brother and their shenanigans. Uh, I did not do much laughing, and it made me very sad because it's an amazing cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, huge bummer. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, I, I had a similar experience with one of the movies this week. It wasn't White Palace, though. Mm. Um, it wasn't... <laughs> Eileen Brennan and Kathy Bates, Jason Alexander, James Spader, and Susan Sarandon, wow. and I'm having that is a grab bag. I'm having trouble cognitively picturing all these people standing together. I just <laughs> I just can't do it. A, vari- <laughs> a, a, a definite variety of heights. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if we put if we put Jason on top of Kathy Bates, <laughs> as tall as Susan Sarandon, um, it equals one James Spader. <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, White Palace. They're totally wrong for each other. I'm 27. I'm 43. Sometimes two wrongs make a right. Susan Sarandon, James Bader, White Palace. Start Friday at selected theaters. Just a little bit. No. no. I just assumed this was a cocaine movie. Oh. Because <laughs> it's 1990 and James Spader's in it? Yeah. And it's called White Palace? White Palace. It sounds like the place yeah. you go to get cocaine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's called White Palace because they couldn't call it White Castle. Oh. What? That's not a joke. That is true because it's about Susan Sarandon is like a a waitress and James Spader is, you know, a yuppie James Spader. And then they start like hooking up and could this work out? They're so different. It's fine. She makes little sandwiches. He loves big sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how this is supposed to work They can't decide if burgers should be square or round. So they go with oval. Yeah. It's no, it's cute. I mean, it's cute that it's uh, it's nice that it's kind not quite a romantic comedy, but not quite mm. a romantic drama either. Um, I mean, Susan Saran is pretty much just still in Bull Durham mode. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, Kathy good. Bates, I feel bad for because she had a like a whole subplot that got cut out of the movie, so she's barely in it. 
Um, but she gets her revenge in a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's with a movie we're talking about on this week's Laser Time and next week's Laser Time. And I'm sorry to get too pluggy, but it's a very good transition because it was uh, Sarah's idea, the best and worst of Stephen King. And I probably should have said clear film adaptations because he kind of washes his hands of whoever makes these movies and how. He doesn't step in and like, no, it should be like this. He's not responsible for how good and bad his movies are. Kathy Bates will be in what is... A, 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 a consensus across numerous Metacritic's Rotten Tomatoes, the number two Stephen King movie, horror movie of all time. Uh, wow. Uh, Kathy oh, Bates if, will if be. If we're in. specifying horror, mm-hmm. yeah. 1,000%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a Shawshank or a Stand By Them uh, mm-hmm. somewhere yes. in there. Exactly. But what, what I had the most fun with, which will be out next week, is the worst of Stephen King. Movies I've never heard of or seen all of, I had a blast with. Except this one, but I should also <laughs> put put it put in perspective. I don't. This has happened three times in Laser Time history, and it's always with back pills. And I've been having some back problems lately. And uh, yeah, sure, Kev, I'll have a whiskey after some of these muscle relaxers. And I don't remember. I have. I, I can't wait to edit the worst of Stephen King because I don't. Oh I do not remember recording it. <laughs> but I remember preparing it and watching movies for it. And at the very bottom of the list, it is usually a tie between a couple movies and the movie Graveyard Shift, which none of the none of these movies made more than our podcast. But Graveyard Shift is number one at the box office. Huh. And it's the one I had the worst time. It is not fun. We, we, <laughs> we just did a laser time about anthology horror show, uh, movies, which are my favorite kind of horror movie. Uh, three simple stories that can kind of be batshit insane if they want, but they're over in 30 minutes. All of the bad Stephen King stuff should have been that. You, I will completely buy into rats tearing down your factory or a or a synth, or a textile machine that eats women because it's haunted uh, or, or a, a, a person who kills people by flying from town to town in a tiny... A vampire who uses a tiny Cessna to fly from town to town. I'll buy into all of that, but, if, but you got to keep it around like, Six thirty to sixty minutes. This this I found not fun, and it has the ingredients. It has the guy who talks like this in a Stephen King movie. Sometimes <laughs> that is better. <laughs> it's got your hella main accent, but uh, it's got Brad Dorif. It's got Mister yes. Chucky in here. But I, I thought this is this well, every is, every movie needs the guy who's a bit off putting, and it should always mm-hmm. be Brad Dorif. Mm-hmm. This is the only genuinely the only I had more fun rewatching the bottom of the list of Stephen King stuff than rewatching the top stuff, um, except for this Graveyard Shift. Through this door, what did happen to the fellow that started this job? He didn't work out. Down these stairs. You're not thinking about going down in there. Behind those shadows, no job worth this awaits the new horror from the mind of Stephen King. This is Graveyard Ship. Rated R. Starts Friday, October 26th. Again, I could have lost the ending. I lost about a day and a half due to back problems. Oh, um, I, what? It just, it was. Uh, don't it, don't what? drink with them. It wasn't a, a, an issue of drinking. Like, I just, like, when your back hurts so much, you can't sit up and like, you know, you have to record mm. six hours and like, okay, I'll take some pills. And the next day I just took pills and just hibernated because it mm. just hurts to move and like lift my right. arm. And yeah. uh, so I lost it. I lost a day or two. And I know I'm not being fair to the finale of Graveyard Shift, but every one of the other movies has like many more eventful things that occur. And mm. one of the things I found in researching the best and worst of Stephen King, he 
he's very kind to his adaptations and only and very rarely weighs in. Most people know what he thinks about The Shining mm-hmm. because he was a I think a little young as an author. He's that's like that's like less than ten years after his first book being published. He's mm-hmm. uh, Stanley Kubrick makes this weird version of his book. He's like, "What the fuck <laughs> was that?" Uh, I can I can see that most of the time he's like incredibly positive, even the terrible stuff. Not graveyard shift. He did not. <laughs> he didn't. He did not like. He like flat out did not like it. No, and, uh, it's it's a dressed up B movie. I mean, yeah. and it's barely dressed up at that. Also, every ad shows the monster. Mm-hmm. Which is straight up bullshit because the movie doesn't really, mm-hmm. you know, it's just about this like super creepy factory that is absolutely insanely overrun with rats. And <laughs> the uh, like the foreman keeps like forcing these guys, yeah, go deal with them. And they're like, dude, this place needs to be shut down. And he's like, fuck you. I'll fire you all. Blah, we could make this about capitalism, but we're not really. And they just keep trying to stop these rats. And then something eats somebody and they're like, oh, no, Dave's gone. And they're like, boss is like, ignore that. Uh, go kill more rats. And, that's, and, 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 that's, and then it turns out because there's a giant rat monster. I it's think that's my, my problem it's with a like rat king in the basement. This, ah. this movie and the Mangler, and and at least the Mangler had the Freddy Krueger, and its lead character was Buffalo <laughs> Bill. You got a D on you? You're, this is the weirdest thing you've ever been through. Like it's the fucking weirdest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the Mangler with Sam on Saturday morning, and I was like, "What? Yeah, you mean it's haunted?" <laughs> Whoever I, mean, a hundred and I, I hate ironing, but <laughs> I'm not going to make the monster of a movie be a giant steam press. Yeah, nor would you make the steam press look like a painted black piece of the Flintstone set. Like, why does it look like this? Um, oh, my. I can hear my mom just fluttering her little hummingbird hands about because keeping up appearances is debuting on television this week. Do yeah. tell. Yeah. Uh, keeping up appearances. I can't believe it only owes five series mm-hmm. because it's a British show. Wow. Because it seems like there's a lot more because PBS still runs it yep. because yes. it is adorable and charming and I laugh every time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's it's one of those shows I remember in a one TV household like, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. my mom loved it. And yeah. But if if you catch it now, I mean, I'm sh- there's nothing for a kid to like about it at <laughs> all. <laughs> Because it's about, you know, pretentious people trying to impress the neighbors. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like but I, I say that as thing. someone like I could not show my kids the British office and expect them to get anything out of it. You need to have some familiarity with that kind of mundanity mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and it, to have it make sense, which I love now. So I'm not shitting on keeping up appearances. It's just yeah. Like, no, I'm saying that's one of those things where it's like you just have this memory of like, no, mom, I want to watch cartoons. Yeah. It's I, this show's fault. And if you watch it now, you'd be like, oh, I understand why she wanted to watch this. This is fun. <laughs> I remember seeing so much of it because my aunt would babysit me at night, like when my parents went out on date night or whatever. And her husband, my uncle, is Scottish. Mm-hmm. And they met while she lived in London. And so, mm-hmm. like, the whole house and all of their culture is very Anglophile. And I watched all this stuff when I was a child. And I hated it all so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's so boring and weird. And it made me feel like... I don't know, just so weird inside because it seemed older. It seems like it was from like 1979 or something mm. too. Like it was too yeah. much for me as a kid, but now I'd like to revisit. Yeah. I feel like you like it in a way because a lot of the times they have what almost like Seinfeld plotting mm-hmm. where it's like they're, they're constantly, you know, causing their own comeuppance, you know, it's all about the, you know, this woman who's just really 
very class conscious and aspiring to raise above her station and tries to do all these things to impress everybody and always fails horribly mm -hmm. and embarrasses herself and, uh, and and her whole family. Yeah, keeping up appearances. It's adorable. I, I would oh, be into that now. Not to overshadow yeah. keeping up appearances, but on the 25th, we have yeah the debut of one of the greatest ever Halloween institutions of all time. I'll let Marge explain. Hello, everyone. You know, Halloween is a very strange holiday. Personally, I don't understand it. Kids worshiping ghosts, pretending to be devils. Things on TV that are completely inappropriate for younger viewers. Nothing seems to bother my kids. But tonight's show, which I totally wash my hands of, is really scary. I, I was trying to look up, like, is this a genuine warning? Because, like, it's the kind of controversy Fox would court. But I think The Simpsons was already famous with kids my age. This propelled it into the stratosphere. Oh, because man. All this was all anyone talking. And I was in junior high? Or was I, was I in high school I was yet? in elementary school. And, and, oh, my God. everyone! Like, it was one of these, like, those weird moments where we were all bonding. Like, me and the popular kids liked the same thing. Yeah. Like, we all watched it at the same time, and we can all talk about it. It, what? It's an, it's incredible. It doesn't so much happen in this episode, but by the time the second Halloween episode rolls around, like they're just like killing famous characters <laughs> on screen, and like and you don't really know how to accept that in a world where like no 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 we told you it's a Halloween special. It it, it just it contains a great intro. It, there's a reference to Frankenstein in the very beginning with Marge coming out from behind the curtain. They eventually get rid of that, and uh, and it's Bart and Lisa telling one another stories in their treehouse, hence Treehouse of Horror. Literally the only time that happened, yet it's been named that, I think, for 32 years uh, mm. at this point. 32 different episodes, and they're all wonderful and perfect in their own way. But there's none more perfect than um, the Bad Dream House <laughs> uh, sending up Poltergeist and Amityville Horror. Hungry Are the Damned, uh, parodying a great episode of Twilight Zone to serve man, and <laughs> a relatively straight-up adaptation of... Uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, which mm. I, I, this won't shock anybody. I was 10. This is my first exposure to not only The <laughs> Raven, but maybe Edgar Allan Poe uh, on The Simpsons. And I never get tired of the clip. I, I, I love talking to friends my age about it because, like, oh, this is the worst one. I'm like, this made 30, 40 year old critics lose their minds over mm. The Simpsons that they bothered to adapt pretty authentically a, a an Edgar Allan Poe story as part of its, and I think as an animation fan, it's beautiful to look at. It don't do not shit on this, friends. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, I've since you have moved back to Tallahassee, mm -hmm. I've seen this three times. Because <laughs> <laughs> the the Raven portion of it is only four minutes, and it's like it. It's also like I, I hate to be that person. Like the Simpsons aren't the same anymore. I'm like, who cares? Of course they're not the same. But in terms of what I wish they would do, you can see it while watching the Raven episode. There's our this is batshit insane and like visually very interesting. The Simpsons isn't always visually interesting. Um, mm. you, you can tell like filmmakers like Brad Bird are at the helm of like storyboarding some of this stuff. But uh, James Earl Jones is your guest star. I think he there was a rumor he'd be the guest star every year. I love oh. this clip from The Raven because Dan Castellaneta is, you know, a great improvisational actor, but also an actor and doing it in his best Walter Matthau impression. Quaff. <laughs> then methought the air grew denser, perfumed by some unseen scent. Hey! Stupid 
century. Swung by seraphim, whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch! I cried. Thy God hath led thee. By these angels he hath sent thee. Respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff! Oh, quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven. Nevermore. Don't be that word outside of party! <laughs> it's always... <laughs> like, if you've ever actually read this or, like, I think you can find like Ian McKellen and Christopher Walken reading this. Like it is a moving poem that I don't thoroughly understand having read it and listened to it multiple times. This is such mm. a cool way to retell this for kids. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and it's fun that it's a poem with dialogue. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah the Raven yeah. says stuff and then the guy says stuff yeah. and then there's thinking and there's narration and then the guy says stuff. And <laughs> oh, 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 quaff. I cannot. Th- and, and Kang and Kang and Kodos debut in this episode. Which I think, you know, for people who don't know The Simpsons that well, you'd think we're in every episode. They are only in every Halloween episode and one episode that's not Halloween. And I, one of the only few modern Simpsons things I hate that they did to bring mm. King and Kodos outside of Halloween. But it, the, the, the Simpsons Halloween tradition is so strong. And I'm happy to say, like Sarah had pointed out earlier, only had I seen Disney Plus put them all in a row chronologically with an auto-playing Ooh. playlist. Ooh, and, nice. um, all right i know what i'm doing this weekend so yeah that shit like we like i'm a bigger simpsons fan than my girl is and we disip like we like should we go to bed how many episodes are we into this is the 10th um it just <laughs> it goes by so fast and it's so funny and it's so good uh every single one of these and this one is super 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 strong i cannot I cannot express enough what a cool tradition The Simpsons started here. And this is in their second season, so it's always one year behind where The Simpsons are. Uh, I, I believe they just delayed, again, Treehouse of Horror till November mm-hmm. because of fucking baseball. Even a pandemic, yeah. you can't mm. stop fucking sports from ruining The Simpsons. No, um, I appreciate, like, for so many years, too, the Treehouse of Horror became The Simpsons' debut because baseball. Yes, was putting stuff back. Right, because so it was supposed to be like the, get it in September. It would they're so. like third or sixth episode become their first episode because they debut yeah, so like it'd be October thirty like first. I was like, as we're getting to the middle of October, I'm like, all right, come on. <laughs> Which Twilight Zones are they gonna do this time? Oh, terror at eight feet, seven and a half feet. Or <laughs> I, I I love it all. There's a gremlin on the side of the bus. Oh, <laughs> I just made my last payment. <laughs> <laughs> I, these these are some of my favorite television ep- I swear to Christ if someone really made me like these are some of my favorite Simpsons episodes they are some of my favorite television episodes every single Treehouse of Horror especially the first 10 they are all mm. fantastic and they and they, and I'm rewatching some I've never seen before and I'm having a great fucking time with them so Jesus I think it's the best Halloween institution ever uh, inserted in my lifetime um, yeah. I can't think of anything better and I wish more shows I wish more shows would be like, fuck it. We're ripping it off and doing it too. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. West Wing, it's well, on you. Uh, I mean, Community <laughs> did do that a little bit. Well, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about it. <laughs> oh, spoilers! They did, but only but only once. Uh, but The Simpsons has made it an annual tradition and like uh, seemed to delight in things that like, yeah, Sideshow Bob will kill Bart in this episode. Or, um, yeah, like like things that you've always wanted to see that you could never see, you will see in a Halloween episode. And I think that's yep. really They're going to eat Uter. They're going to eat. Right now. <laughs> Digesting them in oh, our bellies. Can't get enough of his joy joy. Uh, <laughs> and, and I can't believe in terms of what is so important in my world within two days of that. Like, yeah. I, oh. If not one of the most famous SNL sketches, the most famous 
maybe the most famous Chris Farley sketch. Definitely the most famous Patrick yes. Swayze sketch. Yeah. Uh, and it's just one of the best also. Like, not only one of the most famous, but also one of the best, which I do think is a distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, but this hits both. And, uh, yeah, so SNL on the 27th, the host is Patrick Swayze with musical guest Mariah Carey. Um, but, I mean, when we're saying Patrick Swayze on SNL, we all know what we're really talking about. And that is... It, it, I feel like this was like this was played at like Chris Farley's funeral. Like this is yeah. so synonymous with him in oh, SNL. Yeah. So it's so good. So I went back and rewatched the whole sketch. It's on YouTube. Um, and it's such a good sketch because it would have been so easy just to make the joke that the the premise is, is that there's Chippendales auditions that are apparently are very long and arduous and very, you know, exacting. And they're down to two finalists for who's going to be the next Chippendales dancer. And it's Patrick Swayze, professionally trained, body chiseled out of marble, Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. and Chris Farley. And they're the two last ones in this <laughs> This whole audition. Uh, I, believe, I believe his name is, is Barney. Like what you yes. the exact name yeah. you want in a Chippendale's yeah. dance. <laughs> and this sketch is so perfect because they play it so well. They're not really like the joke of the sketch really isn't like, oh, look at this disgusting fat guy who wants to be a Chippendale's dancer. Like it's way sweeter to the character than that. Like, I, yes, like <laughs> part of the joke is that their body types are very different. But like the judges of the audition are celebrating both of them I, at the I, same time. I love and they're supporting each other. Yes, I think that's, that's my favorite part. Okay, is that they're like they're like buddies. Like, that's... oh, I hope you get it, man. No, I hope you get it, man. Yeah, man. It's just for to that. watch two people who, by all accounts, were like extremely sweet, kind, like human beings that were taken from us too early. Oh, it really wow. makes me like wish that like they were friends in real life because <laughs> they just seem so sweet together and Patrick Swayze I do think has a pretty good sense of humor and so I'm hoping that they're like in heaven just made, like made, hanging like, out together uh, <laughs> making a movie out of this exact scenario that we'd all fucking dig and yeah. I, I mean I I don't like uh, sometimes over analyzing comedy but this sketch is insane and yes it's a <laughs> It's a dancing fat guy, haha. That's the meat of the sketch, but it's the end of the sketch. That's this is the exact clip I went to grab, but you already grabbed it. Yeah. Because this is what makes the sketch like truly like I think a comedy masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the post Chris Farley dancing. Well, we've made our decision. But before we tell you, I just want to say once again how truly difficult it was for us to make our choice. <laughs> and to thank you for your patience throughout this long, arduous audition thanks thanks we're gonna go with adrian (sighs) i knew it man (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry i i I just never wanted to think so much in my life and now that i got it i just can't deal with it oh that's okay adrian we understand (laughs) barney we all agreed that your dancing was great your (laughs) presentation was very sexy i guess I guess in the end, we all thought that Adrian's body was just much, much better than yours. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh, okay. You see, it's just that at Chippendales, our dancers have traditionally had that lean, muscular, healthy physique, like Adrian's, whereas yours is, well, fat and flabby. Right, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that all makes me, uh, the earnestness makes me giggle. Thinking about the finances behind Chippendales, like... 
You can only afford one dancer, yeah. but you can f- hire three and people that, to audition them. <laughs> and that this is such a long judge process. Like, it's, you know, they're in their final interviews and tryouts. But I, I, the sketch also goes on to say, like, the judges acknowledge, like, well, but Bernie could be a good addition because they're are women who are into different body types, which I really loved that like little, you know, part at the end because it's true. Mm -hmm. But the dancing is really good. Like you can't really, obviously it's a visual part of the sketch. So there's no point in me like pulling that, but I highly, highly encourage everyone to go check it out because both of their dancing is excellent. And that's the thing that sells it. I think that's the thing in the end that sells it for me. It's not just that, Chris Farley's a big fat guy going crazy. It's like, like he's trying, mm-hmm. like he is really trying to dance. He is dancing hard. Oh yeah, if you he don't does know the that, worm. if you don't know that about yeah. Chris Farley, he can like do a split. He is more agile than yeah. most. I don't know what do you want to call them, regular sized men, which I am not after this pandemic. <laughs> so I cannot put myself in that category. Uh, yeah, he can. Chris Farley can move, and he's doing like <laughs> legit dances next to Patrick Swayze, who's doing legit dances it's a fucking it's a better sketch i think than most people get it give it credit for a hundred percent and it's it's way sweeter too that people mm-hmm. remember as far as like what the real joke is there and yeah, yeah just like, two mm-hmm. sweet guys that i wish we still had if you could think of mm-hmm. other fat snl cast members and i'm not going to name them they, <laughs> they couldn't do this sketch only chris farley could yeah. He was mm-hmm. he was the only one agile enough to do anything like this, and that is why it's funny. He's not only in the joke; he's like a huge part of the joke. Um, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, that is uh, television. Oh, thankfully there are no games to speak of uh, exactly right now. Again, we'll find more for patreon.com slash leisure time. Chris Baker joins us once again to bring a 20-year-old press perspective. Uh, <laughs> a really funny episode, um, once again, is up for you now. But music of 1990, we got new releases for the week of October 23rd to the 29th. Faith, Hope, uh, Love by King's X. Uh, Slaves and Masters by Deep Purple. Some Friendly, uh, the debut of The Charlatans. Traveling Wilburys Volume 3 um, by The Traveling Wilburys. Uh, Red Hot and Blue, a- an AIDS benefit album. And um, Back from Hell by Run DMC. Really- Red Hot and Blue, mm. my friend gave me. And mm-hmm. I wore that sucker out. Really? Because... It's all Cole Porter songs done by other bands. So no uh, U2, I think, does Night and Day. Uh, Sinead O'Connor is on there. Tom Waits is on there. Nana Cherry's on there. It's like this interesting array. And they had a TV special where they did hmm. all music videos done by like serious filmmakers. Really? That was the special. So they're, they're all interesting to listen to them because there's like the variety of styles. But they're all really good songs because they're all Cole Porter numbers. It was really, really good to study, too. Mm. <laughs> All right. Oh, yep. I don't want to think about studying again. Even though I guess I <laughs> do that every week for one of these. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Black Cat by Janet Jackson is number one, and we're going to close oh, out with that. Oh, it's just such a good song. Yes. Oh, my God. People forget that Janet Jackson can rock. She oh, can yeah. rock. I don't, I don't. I don't. She can do everything. And we'll be right back with the 2000s and one of the weirdest movie sequels ever made. (laughs) Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? 
then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I want to talk to you about uh, running a, what do you call it, microcinema. Yeah. You got a movie theater in there, but then like, right now I think you're focusing on the video rental aspect. Yeah, we're not allowed to have, well, we just don't want to have any public events at the moment. We want to get back to it, but we can't do it. Right. I just don't have more than 10 people in that theater. Right. And you, you're, you're, you can rent it out. You can rent you it can out. You can rent it out. You Like, Kevin's not saying, anyone at all, come on in. Like, no, 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 you need to take responsibility to say, like, these are the people you want to be around. Right. But yeah, we have it available for private screenings. You can watch whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. 80 bucks for two hours. Mm-hmm. And yeah, pick any Double one of feature, our uh, Snow White and Salo. You can just do that if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, whatever and, you want. You know, I was having a great time like programming certain kind of events for Cap City. Like, yes. uh, and I did a Halloween thing there uh, once mm-hmm. or twice. That's what made Cap City so special. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what makes us special is the people who come in there and host their events. Do you think it's weird that like some movie theater, like movie theater chains, have resorted to that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little peculiar. Uh, I talked to our buddy Drew, and he's like, "Yeah, they're playing the Goonies this week. <laughs> that's that's the movie they're showing." Well, it's just like and, you know they're struggling to survive, mm-hmm. like we used to have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're we're still struggling, but we have our video rentals to fall right. back on. Our clientele is incredible. Yeah. Like our support group for Cap City. I mean, they've just been. The greatest, like between donations, running out the theater. Mm-hmm. Thing last year, what makes something number one? Like movie theaters make a majority of their money on concessions, and you yeah. have some concessions, but mm-hmm. like that's the thing you can't do anymore. <laughs> you can't cook a ton of food and show right. your face. You can't yeah. sell popcorn at a six thousand percent markup and expect that to make your money in a movie mm-hmm. theater. And all you got now is Christopher Christopher Nolan movies and like what other movie? There was some movie recently like oh, fuck it, God. we're going to theaters and like good luck. Yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't watch you if you played for free in the back of my eyelids. But <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna screen in a movie theater during a pandemic. Good for you. It was Tenet and like some Jason Statham. Yeah, movie? no Russell Crowe, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Like, well, who yeah, I would cares? Ne- I, yeah, I would go out of my way to not watch that movie. Are you crazy? Like, Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash LaserTime. Coming back in the 2000, October 23rd to the 29th with I'm Like a Bird from Nelly Furtadoff of Whoa, Nelly. Uh, oh. <laughs> take that, Nelly. Can't name I your album that now. love this album so much. It's really, really good. Like, every song on it is great. Oh. Just throwing it out there. Turn Off the Light is fantastic. And, yeah, it's just really, really beautiful. And there's, like, songs in Portuguese on there. And, like, I don't know, Nelly Furtado just does not get enough love. And... I'm here to champion her. And also I have very specific memories of getting this CD for my 16th birthday from my friend Margaret at the surprise party that my parents threw for me. I, Aww, I, too, awesome. I too have a very specific memory about buying this CD. That's why I thought it was later in the year. I thought 
thought probably, so too. It probably is. The, it, the album Wonelli debuts here, and I'm Like a Bird ends up in the top 10 for most of 2001. 2001. 2001. Okay, yeah. Because I turned 16 in 2001, and that's the birthday that I got the CD. So I was like, damn, I must have been really behind the times. I, nope, I, it just it took a while to catch on, but I then had, it, it <laughs> stuck. It fucking stuck in there forever. Now it's like the song of 2001. I had I, it, it, it had a very odd relationship with a much older lady, non-intimate uh, or sexual. My parents were worried about me. I don't want to go to school, but I like movies. And a woman who is a, a daughter of a mutual friend of my parents has returned from Hollywood. She's just been in the movie Blow, which is definitely 2001. And um and and like yeah, why don't you meet and talk to her and so you can see that there's things to look forward to do in the world. And I met as an angry twenty one year old, I met up with this thirty year old woman and had a drink with her and then we kept having drinks with one another and I bought her this C D for her birthday. And every time I'd see her, you're like, You still listen to that album? Did you burn yourself a copy? I'm like, No, he's like, Oh and she would tell me every everything about the tracks. Sorry, I just I forgot all about this woman. I, I probably went on like six different one-on-one non-dates with this much older woman, uh, Nelly Furtado being the thing that binds us together. Aww. Um, weird. Um, yeah, new- I, Nelly Furtado too. I think is one of those artists who I have this inkling, and I wouldn't, and, but I can't confirm it. I would not be surprised if she was like someone you found out wrote a bunch of songs mm. for people that you wouldn't realize. Is that your because- nice way of saying not pretty? Sarah, no! Sarah, Sarah. Rude. But I don't remember it being not pretty. Um, that's for sure. Um, oh, yeah, she's gorgeous. She's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And she had that great song, Promiscuous Girl, with uh, Timbaland. Ugh, oh, that's, that's... Okay, I only remember the chorus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, we also new releases out this week, October 23rd to the 29th. There's the a lot. Love Boat by Erasure. <laughs> Um, uh, Bizarre by Insane Clown Posse There's two albums that were not purchased together Uh, Awake by Godsmack Buzz by Steps Night and Day 2 by Joe Jackson Bedlam Born by Steel Eye Span Borders and Boundaries by Less Than Jake That's the one I had Uh, My Kind of Christmas by Christina Aguilera uh, Lincoln Park's massive debut hybrid theories out this week. PJ Har- and PJ Harvey's mm-hmm. stories from cities, stories from the sea, which is on Rolling Stones' top 500 albums uh, of all time. Love PJ Harvey, mm-hmm. fucking album. Yeah, yeah. Mm. love her. Come on over, baby. All I wanted you by Christina Aguilera is number one. We discussed our love for that a few weeks ago. You can always backtrack, people. Um, in addition to telling a friend about the show. Uh, man, I feel like I should post this because he has been on the podcast at this point. We're a bunch of nerds in the year 2000. This is the news section, people. And we're sitting there discussing like, man, I want that I want that PS, PS2. And like, oh, the pre-orders are out. Do you really want to go wait in line at like, and this is back in the day. Like, well, we got Circuit City and Montgomery Ward <laughs> and, and all these places to do it. And like, I don't, if we do that, we should do it together. And like, no, I just like, don't want anything that much as we'll see when the games really schedule, not a lot of great. It was the first, like the first PlayStation, the PlayStation was the first console by Sony and knocked everybody out of the water. There's, I can't think Mm -hmm. of a debut that's like that. So the PS2 is like, oh, and it has, by the way, a DVD player, a device. It, It contains an entirely other device that everyone wants right now. In addition to being the second PlayStation, it's sold out everywhere. Iraq's trying to steal them. I learned later Michael created a successful internet campaign to buy one for George W. Bush. Um, Indeed. We thought maybe if he played video games about Iraq, he wouldn't actually want to invade it. Mm-hmm. 
I swear, I, I wish you were on. I didn't on, say we. That was all, Michael. But I mean, I took the pictures of him going to Costco to buy the PlayStation. I wish so you were on the podcast. I feel like I'm involved. The podcast when he revealed he did that and like I followed that whole. Th- are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Like ten years after the fact, I, I, I met the guy who I'd been reading about for like months. Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> but the PlayStation Two debuts, and we all like, you know what? Three hundred dollars is a lot of money, and it for us at this point, it really was. We all had minimum wage jobs, um, probably living with our parents. Like, there's three hundred bucks, can't justify it, and we all agreed. Like, look, all right, we're not going to do it. And then I loved living at my parents' house, opening up the front page of the paper, and there is Melendez in line to get a fucking PlayStation <laughs> Two, caught by journalism on the, <laughs> on the front page of the paper. He was I, just trying to get rid of the competition. I got to go to his house. Did you get a PS2? He's like, nah, we, yeah, we, it's just not worth it. I just, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, ah, look at this motherfucker. <laughs> liar. Like a liar. I see you. And I'm pretty sure it was Montgomery Ward. <laughs> I just uh, see you holding the newspaper like the famous picture of Dewey yes, that beats Truman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Somebody take my picture. I'll hold this maniacal pose for as long as I can. Ah! Uh, <laughs> you had the receipts. None of us. Damn. None of us have. No, nobody I know has been caught by the newspaper for anything that did involve in jail. It was so joyous. Like he. <laughs> caught for something that we can just laugh about um, <laughs> by journalism. I'm sure we can look it up. Anyway, moving into movies of 2000, uh, October 23rd to the 29th, uh, George Washington, Candace Avanziski, Curtis Cotton Three, and uh, Donald Holden. This is hyper independent, right? This is David this Gordon is Green. Super duper independent. Is Gor- David Gordon Green's directorial debut, and he's gone back to more serious stuff, but I think most of us think of as like the Pineapple Express guy. He, he did Halloween. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, done the, the recent Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also like your highness that we get to talk about later. Um, I bought this and- uh, spoiler <laughs> and never watched it because it was one of the highest uh, rated. It was one of the, the most well-reviewed movies of the year. George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is really, really good. It is super hyper independent. It's mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, this little kids living in, I want to say North Carolina mm-hmm. um, and how, there's just no opportunity it is just incredible poverty mm-hmm. and just these, these little kids and their lives and how they like, sometimes it looks kind of fun. Cause like they live in this just fantasy land of garbage, yeah. you know, it's just wherever they want to go. It's like, we're going to take these suitcases, fill them up with water and throw them. It's like, <laughs> that looks like fun, but it's, you know, really about how there's no opportunity and, and bad things happen. And, all, all the child actors are, are really good. And I'm trying to think of what I compare it to. I mean, Beast of the Southern Wild, maybe a little mm. bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's like there's not a ton of plot, but it's also about, you know, this this black community that's completely been left behind. And what does that do to people and their families? So, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. It's not fun, but okay. it's beautifully made. Uh, yeah. I'm intrigued by the title The Little Vampire. Until I see Jonathan Lipnicki <laughs> roll a weeks and Richard E. Grant up again, Jim Carter, great president, uh, and then Alice Creek. I don't know anything True. about uh, <laughs> the little vampires out this week. Yeah, what do you want to know? What it says on the label, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's the little vampire, which uh, is the worst because, like, I do not want to see anything about vampire children, considering vampires are supposed to be extremely like sexual yeah. and like sexy and like yeah. ooh, you know well, and so I, I do not want to see anything having to do with a vampire child and maybe it's just because i like watched eight seasons of the vampire diaries in the in be. like two months 
But like, <laughs> I do contemplate a child being a vampire. I don't want to. I do just that. remember Kirsten Dunst in an interview with a vampire. She's exactly. like, fuck both of you for making. I'm cursed to never see puberty. I have to live like this forever. I should yeah, murder yeah. you both. And she might. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Yards with Mark Wahlberg, Joaquin Phoenix, Charlie Stone, Ellen Burstein, and James Conn. The Yards. It should be called The Yards, but it takes place in New York, oh. which just feels like a missed opportunity. But I mean, it's it's interesting because it's based on a real scandal that happened to the director's father. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, James Gray, who did, well, he did Little Odessa. What's he did something? Oh, Lost City of Z and Ad Astra recently. Oh, fuck. It's, um, it's written by Matt Reeves, uh, and it's co-written by Matt Reeves. What the which fuck? This is all gonna come. It's all gonna come together in weird ways. Who's later. made better Planet of the Apes movies than Charlton Heston, which everyone thought was impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's about basically corruption within like the Transit Authority in New York and uh, bribing cops and gangland land stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's it's real gritty. It like something happened where like it pretty much didn't get released because it mm. just made new money i think it sat on a shelf for a couple of years because of problems with financing i don't know but like yeah it's pretty good as a, a gritty crime family story with a super packed cast yeah i feel like maybe five in 2005 it probably would have done a lot better with mark Wahlberg as mm. the star you know yeah he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he was truly at the peak of his powers in 2000. I, do. I thought mm-hmm. not unlike uh, Gerard Butler, they acted too quickly making him a movie star because everything right. he did shit the bed uh, until it just, they just, you know, he's a white guy. He gets, we'll give you 15 years to figure this all out. Yeah. He has like a weird <laughs> rectangle face and head. <laughs> yeah, you're, like, you're like three yeah. feet tall. The ladies love that. Uh, <laughs> they do. Uh, the next movie. Yeah. I feel like this is him getting in the direction he should be going of mm-hmm. like, no, you should do like, crime movies and cop movies and stuff like that like yeah we believe that you have no real opportunities for jobs and would need to take a job from someone's uncle that's a little shady I would, yeah. yes i would have that's no the kind of jobs you should do i would have no problem seeing this movie now whereas the next movie i definitely saw the trailers for and read the review and i would not Ooh. have seen this movie if it were made of water and my eyeballs were on fire uh, John Travolta, <laughs> Lisa Kudrow, <laughs> Tim Roth, Ed O'Neill, and Michael Moore. That Michael Moore? Uh, yeah. Lucky Numbers. Hey, how are you? Weatherman. We love your show. You have a good day. <laughs> Community Man. How old are you, 27? <laughs> Five. Lucky Man. We're going to be millionaires. Now everyone wants a piece of rust. I want half the money. 20%. From the director of You've Got Mail, John Travolta, Lisa Kudrow. You have got to stop buying things from Italy. Lucky numbers. If it wasn't on a boat, I don't want it. Rated on. <laughs> Funny line, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not see this. New. No. It, I mean, it's another one where it's like, oh, it's written by blank. It's, this one's written by Adam Resnick, mm-hmm. co-creator of Get a Life that yeah. we talked about and Adam is awesome. Boy. This is uh, notoriously bad, mm-hmm. even though every review I read was like, Lisa Kudrow is so wonderful. She deserves yeah. a film career. I love her. This movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I watched most of it uh, actually right before we started recording because uh, it's free on Prime, if anyone's curious. I didn't feel like it was like that bad. I feel like the mm. performances are pretty good, but it's just kind of like boring and charmless. Like, yeah. 
you know, like it's just not, it's just not good, but like, it's not a train wreck. And I do feel that like, I, I think John Travolta does a great job at playing like this kind of smarmy weatherman guy. Who's like, you know, not the worst guy, but not a good guy either. But I love it when Lisa Kudrow plays any character that's not Phoebe from friends. So <laughs> she can be like mean and nasty and like, you know, rude. That's, the Lisa Kudrow that I really like. And she's just so talented. Yeah, I absolutely she, love her. And also Maria Bamford is in this movie, yeah. which I was I really excited to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a dark comedy and it's about everyone double crossing everyone else that they come up with this scam mm-hmm. to rig the lotto. Uh, so John Travolta can get out of debt and then everyone starts double crossing everyone else. Usually I love everyone double crossing everyone else. Mm-hmm. And this one, I was just like, Oh, I got so bored. Why am yeah. I getting bored? I think the problem is is that the characters are not smart enough for it to be entertaining and not stupid enough for it to be entertaining. Mm. So like there's no they're just like trying to get by with this. I don't know. For for this like Burn After Reading is great because everyone's kind of an idiot, mm-hmm. but they're still yeah. trying to like get through this and like, you know, heist movies most of the time everyone's like a genius like on oceans 11 or whatever and so that makes it fun this is just like middle of the road people i don't know why it just doesn't make it interesting in either direction i just listened to uh listen to mcmillions the the rigging of the mcdonald's monopoly money oh wow yeah how like Mm -hmm. that's never ever gone to a legit person ever and like i'm fascinated with rigging rigging prize money of this high and and, like how crazy it can get because everyone's going to want a little bit of it well a couple years ago we did a laser time on game show scandals right 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 that was really fun and interesting it was really easy to scam people for like yeah here you get 20 grand like well what do we do with 200 million (laughs) like oh (laughs) shit if anyone catches wind of this our scheme is fucked or we end up buying someone out for like fucking Miramax prices. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the idea of this movie is like pretty fun because mm. it is kind of an intricate heist in a way mm. almost, yeah. but it's just not executed very well. And the idea of it too in the movie is that like so many people have to be involved with the scheme mm-hmm. that like the more people are involved, the more ways it has to go awry. And well, that's a good way to like frame like a heist movie or something like that the more people jimmy has to kill that's the more people jimmy has to murder right you'd be late for your own fucking funeral and i don't mind talking about because i hate the next movie so hard oh my god it's it's like this is this is the train wreck movie because i've watched this like two or three times then someone will tell me like how it ends i'm like did it though like like what the fuck movie is this Uh, the God. sequel to last year's breakout, unbelievable breakout hit is, I've never seen a franchise squandered so hard in one mm-hmm. shot. One shot. Yep. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. And uh, Diana put names next to it, so I guess I'll read them. <laughs> Stephen Baker, Turner, Tristan Schuyler, Erica Lurson, Jeffrey Donovan, and Kim Director, who did not direct the movie. Um, That's nope. not real. Uh, Book of Shadows 2. Uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. On October 27th, be the first to see the movie that critics are calling disturbing and unsettling. It was an accident. Better than the original. Don't worry, we're not going to hurt you. It's the most talked about movie of the year. No, it will haunt audiences long after they leave the theater. Book of Shadows. Uh, I, I, believing rumors, it's probably the 
biggest instance of studio tampering anyone has ever mm. seen. Because the only thing we've had to see from the guy who, who was hired to direct it are some of the greatest documentaries ever made. <laughs> They're very disturbing documentaries. Yes. That's why this this whole thing is so much wasted potential. They mm. put so many pieces in place that were right, and then they made sure to do everything wrong with them. I remember, so, yeah, I remember directed by artisan, Joe, Joe Berlinger, Joe who Berlinger. did Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills. The, guy, the, yeah. the trilogy, the guy who brought into the attention the West Memphis Three, Damien Eccles and the rest. And, yep. uh, but it's, it's, I remember Artisan Entertainment, and they were like a schlocky label, and, and Blair Witch was like their first big thing. And I think mm-hmm. the story goes, is like, this movie's a huge hit. And it's like, the paint is still wet on this. And like, we got to make a sequel. And like, well, no one who made the original is available and ready to do this yet because they're still promoting the first one. And they just like, without any of their involvement, usher in this new movie and they hire the, a, a guy who's famous for making documentaries to make a fucking non-documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and then they the tamper with movie. it like mad. The, the, they don't even let him do what his plan was to do. And you can it see glimmers of it. If you, if you watch the first 20 minutes, it's fascinating. It, it acknowledges the, the Blair Witch phenomenon. This is not a real witch, but a very successful movie that scared a lot of people. So now they're flocking to this spot in Maryland to find out more information about the Blair Witch, which they know is false. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, like it, if you've seen Paradise Lost or some of those other documentaries, like, oh, this could be really interesting. What we choose yeah. to believe is real. Because, like, I, I, I do think I went into Blair Witch, you know, as a movie fan, someone who read movie sites and Entertainment Weekly, like, I know it's not a real thing, but it's really scary, and I had a fucking blast with it. But I have to imagine certain people saw it like, this is real. This is real. I, mm-hmm. I did no research, and I didn't go on the internet, because most people weren't going on the internet in 2000. I'm not <laughs> shitting on them. Uh, this is real. And I think that there was, there was a movie coming directed at that the idea of what we choose to believe is real or not. And then instead it becomes a movie where people die in a warehouse. (laughs) And and, and, well, I don't know. I I don't know. So I find it fascinating that last week we had paranormal activity too, Mm -hmm. where I said security cameras are scary. Mm -hmm. And here we have a movie that hinges on something on the videotape changed Mm. and it's not scary at all. It's fucking laughable. Yeah. And they, they add in um, all these new metal songs so they can sell a soundtrack and they shoot new scenes. The director has no clue what, why they're there. And he's on the, apparently he's on the DVD commentary. Like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> like, well, why is this here? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a total train wreck. And I've never seen a, a horror franchise squandered so quickly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the Blair Witch, like, I don't, I don't know of anything that had made more. I can't, we, we were talking about that with Crocodile Dundee. It made $300 million of 1986 money. On a three million dollar bet, the the Blair Witch yep. Project cost thirty grand and made well, three hundred million fucking dollars. I don't think Blair Witch was ever supposed to or should have ever been a franchise. It just, I I, I not. I, I I can I agree. It can be a one off. I agree with you. I I don't know mm-hmm. what you do with that necessarily yeah. again. And but when from the beginning of this movie, you think like this is an interesting take, and it slowly becomes yeah. like just fucking chud horseshit. 
It's just it's bullshit B movie. Yeah, they're like nonsense. locked in a warehouse, and then they think that like something. One of them, maybe they did something bad, or then mm-hmm. there's at the end there's videotape of them killing a bunch of people. They don't remember doing that, and then there's like a Wiccan girl is like praying a lot and stuff, and uh, it's like, well, it, don't it, blame it on the Wiccans, guys. Come on. Oh, all... the Wiccans were very upset about how they were. Represented. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Oh, the Wiccans are very upset. I love that line. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's all it's all sort of a shame because like there I don't know maybe there was I, I, Sarah could be right there like this was one and done. I don't know how mm. you do this again because I never thought of it. I never thought of it like that. Like some people saw this movie not knowing it's all made up. Yeah, the uh, idea of breaking the fourth wall on it—that's mm-hmm. a good direction. Instead of just, cool. and then three more teenagers go out into the woods, mm-hmm. and yeah. scary shit also happens. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. but different but I mean, scary shit. Very Hollywood scary shit happens with a- the the first Blair Witch. Though I think was lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you you could not have a more perfect confluence of you know early internet culture and being able to blur the lines of like people really asking each other like is this real is this really real i mean i remember those conversations when i when the first Blair Witch came out i don't think you can replicate that i think that's just a very special thing that happened at that point and to try to make a sequel no matter how like self-aware it is or whatever it's supposed to be i just i just can't see i do i do think if the movie truly became popular enough everyone knows this isn't real Mm-hmm. And, and let's remember how much that hurt wrestling. Someone wrote that article in the early eighties. What? <gasps> it, hurt, it hurt the business. It did. It had to like come back from that. And oh. uh, like, yeah, we're not real, but like, it's still you could. Again, I think there's still like, on that. Unlike wrestling, there's still something to be fun in another Blair Witch movie. By all accounts, I didn't see the newer one, but like, people do not hate that movie as much as they hate this one. This mm. one is bad, 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 and uh, and, and done on a but like one of those budgets were like. Fuck! You should have known better, and you should have tried harder. It's irritating. Irritating. Um, moving into television in two thousand, uh, the twenty third to the 29th. Uh, what did this happen this week? The New York's uh, New York Yankees beat the Mets in the first ever Subway Series. Subway Series. Oh fuck! Sorry, um, Mets. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Say sorry, Dave. He's he's the only Mets fan I know. Yeah, uh, it would have been so sweet if the Nets Mets beat the Yankees in yeah. New York. Ah, that'd be wonderful. Fuck the Yankees. Uh, also out this week is this the debut Cursed, aka the the Weber show, Stephen Weber's show with Amy Pites and Chris Elliott and Wendell Pierce. Yeah, that's a cool ass cast. Uh, it made it one season and it changed its name midway. Really? Where I think originally it was called Cursed, and then no one could remember that name because it's too generic. So it's just like it's the Weber show. It's not the Stephen mm-hmm. Weber show. It's the Weber, it's the Weber show. show. I. Don't know. Again, um, Laser Time fans, if you're all... looking forward to Worst of uh, Stephen King, look forward to Weber's appearance in a bad yeah. Shining movie. And... <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I always forget that's him. One of you gasped. I love that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, yeah. Now, it's too bad. Yeah, so many talented people. And, mm. nope. and uh, nope. a show died. I <laughs> ended on a cliffhanger, never came back. A show I've never seen, but I, I'm assuming would I like it? Um, Boston Public well, Debuts with Chi McBride, Anthony Hale, Harold Held, and uh, Nikki Haight and Loretta Devine. Here's a promo. You thought being a student was hard. You oh. failed because you didn't like his answers. Try being a teacher. She gave my boy an F because he thought Lincoln was a log, Washington was a redskin, and Hamilton was a, what was Hamilton? A blender. 
The Emmy-winning creator of Ally McBeal and the Practice takes you back to school. Miss Suter, you finished number one in the poll. What poll? Which teacher the male students want to sleep with most? Oh, how nice. You were seven. What, seven? Boston Public premieres Monday, October 23rd. I remember this being incredibly well-reviewed. And yeah, so mm -hmm. David E. Kelly's David really Kelly. at the peak of his powers right now because we've got oh, the yeah. practice on, we've got Ali McBeal on. Okay, am I misremembering this? Or so the practice was on ABC, right? I think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And then Ali McBeal was on Fox. Yeah, and they had Boston Legal that came out of the practice, and Boston Public was on Fox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this creator has two different shows, basically, on two different networks simultaneously. In the same universe, yes. Yep. That's kind of <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But I mean, like, it but just he kind was, of occurred to me. He was the J.J. Abrams of his time. And yeah. And everyone wanted a little piece of what he had to offer because of... Uh, I yeah. I was really into the practice at this point. I don't think I, I watched some Boston public, but not a ton of it, but it was really well reviewed. And, you know, I, I do think that it probably does not age well. I do think there's maybe some eh, stand by me elements of it that probably don't age well coming from the perspective of like a more inner city, you know, school. Stand by um, me. Stand by me holds up better than any movie of all time. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it got really good reviews, and I mean, it's that David E. Kelly like snarky, snarky, snark, snark, and everyone's like <laughs> very hot and sexy. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that's fun. That's on the same week that Ally McBeal's Sex Lies and Second Thoughts comes yeah, out. So with um, this is the premiere of the season of Ally McBeal. It's the fourth season, and this the first episode is where Robert Downey Jr. is a character in the show. And this mm. was kind of the show. This was the season that I really came in on that I really loved, and I, because I think mainly I was very, very, I continue to be very attracted to Robert Downey Jr. Me too. Um, and he plays a therapist who kind of has this very like sexy back and forth with Ali McBeal and then they get together and I don't know it's like I think for a lot of people this you know we just saw Robert Downey Jr. in Wonder Boys do a really really good job mm -hmm. and then he's kind of coming back but he's still not totally back in the Hollywood game and his character is so great like yeah. in the show he just does such a good job I, with I, it I think but he ended up actually you know, he was supposed to go on with the show and like they were supposed to get married and stuff. But instead, he got kind of written off at the end of the season uh, because of his continuing drug issues. And so was not able to come back to the I, show. I, st I still think that's I think at that point, Robert Downey had, had harmed no one but himself. Yeah. And maybe mm. some people. And, and I don't believe he <laughs> harmed anyone else. That's not what I'm saying. But like most people don't survive something like this. And I do want to say I loved Robert Downey Jr. at this point that mm -hmm. I watched this, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I didn't normally. But like, I like I thought he was such an inimitable talent and really fucking great. I was in like yes. two girls and a guy. I was in the theater day one for that shit. Um, yeah, there are some people who are too talented to be murdered by a scandal, and he tried. <laughs> he like he tried. Like like th like this dude was in the paper like just a year ago every day for bad reasons. Yeah, and yeah. and like I mean, his mugshot is like everyone was very familiar. Yeah, with it'd be, it. he it, ended it, up winning a Golden Globe for this yes. season, basically. Like oh he gosh. did such a good job with it. Yes, it would, it would, <laughs> it would be, it would be like if uh, Mark Zuckerberg joined the cast of Sabrina the Teenage Witch right now. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> think of anything different. Someone who's brought up negatively every day, but is still talented enough. Like David E. Clay is like, no, this dude's 
he'll surprise you. He'll do he'll do a good job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just unbelievably talented. Very we, good at what he does. I, now I feel like nowadays, and we're talking about like 2020, I feel like he's kind of slipped into a, a shtick that um, I would ha- I'd be happy to see him get out of because I feel like that's what we saw with Wonder Boys. It was something mm-hmm. that we had not seen Robert Downey do before, and I thought that was really cool. Sounds like someone have- sounds like someone has not seen Doolittle. It's a departure. Yeah, It'll but- blow your mind. It is a. Uh, you mean Sherlock with animals? Uh, no, I, it's a hyper violent brain fuck. Um, <laughs> do, do little. Oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, no! But I love yeah. I loved RDJ at this point. It was it was neat to see him survive this because I most people mm-hmm, did yeah. not. He did the same mm-hmm. things Margot Kidder did, and we never heard from her again until she was dead. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he. I don't think a lot of people saw Wonder Boys when it came out, and mm-hmm. so I think this was probably for a lot of people his comeback mm-hmm. um, into yeah. their lives. And um, I don't know, he's just so handsome. He's so talented in this season of Ally McBeal. I just recently watched Ally McBeal. I think last year, just went back and rewatched it, and it definitely has its issues for sure. But I loved <laughs> his whole storyline with Ally. I thought they were really good. They played off each other really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both they're both really great with the exact kind of dialogue you're thinking of when you think of Robert Downey Jr. dialogue. A hundred percent. And and uh, oh, speaking of people, I really like. Holy sh- oh wait, no, Michael Richards. I do really like Michael Richards. I just wouldn't say it that highly in a podcast where there's a lot of racist footage of him. Uh, but is the Michael Richards show <laughs> debuts this week, and it's incredibly confusing. Yeah, well, yeah, he's cre- a detective. The creators just wanted him to be Kramer, and he did not want to be Kramer. Well, it's, yeah. No, no. I think the story of this is that the network wanted him like, be Kramer. We're calling this the Michael Richards show for a reason, even though he's playing a character by a different name. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that doesn't happen a lot. Like Usually when someone's on the blank, blank show, they play a character by that name. His name is Vic. And he's a detective. He doesn't want to do what uh, Kramer did and doesn't want to do that physical type of comedy. And they want to make a, a single camera uh, show that is not like a sitcom. And you, you can see it gradually like abandon whatever they wanted to do. And just it becomes a, a Kramer sitcom. Mm-hmm. But by then it's too late. Um, the Seinfeld curse has set in and all the three people who are showrunners Spikes Fairstein's the only one I remember but like they're all former Seinfeld writers so they're hired by the oh. network to like make him cr- <laughs> make this asshole Kramer and like he doesn't want to do that again mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what's going on I just I was reading a little piece of an interview with like some of the cast and just like that was a nightmare to be involved with where like oh. the, the guy doesn't want he didn't want to be the guy so we all lost our jobs be- like two weeks before Christmas um, <laughs> yeah, because like, he did. I don't want to be this guy. I'm like, there are a hundred people working around you who would like to have a job at Christmas. Please be that guy. Uh, life of a celebrity of that's that stature. Maybe don't wish for it. But <laughs> are you trying to tell me that Michael Richards hurt Tim Meadows's feelings? Because now Ooh. it's war. Ew. Nobody hurts Tim Meadows. No one hurts Timmy Meadows. Mm. Not no. my world. Not no. in my world. Not not That's, the, this is the worst thing he has ever done to a person of color. Not the guy you just <laughs> gave a uh, Hubie Halloween five stars on Letterbox. Tim Meadows is in it. Yeah, you guys haven't seen it yet. Clearly. Oh, mm. I can't wait no. to watch it. <laughs> Books. Um, well, yeah. a weird book that I've read. I've um, read it too. It's a novella, yeah. so it's easy to read. Read it in a weekend. Shop Girl by Steve Martin debuts on the New York Times bestseller list. It came out a couple weeks ago. It did not take long to get on the bestseller list. Um, it's very, very good. 
It's very good. And it's a novella, so you could probably read it in a weekend. Um, and it's just a very sweet, very sad story about a girl who is a shop girl, like in a department store and, and her um, adventures and misadventures and love. Um, it was made into a movie later on with Claire Danes. Mm -hmm. um, but this mm -hmm. was Steve, Martin's Steve Martin's first uh, literary debut. Mm -hmm. and I, first I, debut is I, redundant, but yeah. I particularly love his his next book, Pleasure of My Company. Mm. I think that's. I a, have not read that one. It's fantastic, and like someone's like, "Why don't you write another book?" He's like, "Oh, um, um, I don't have to. Like, <laughs> like I, I get to write when I feel inspired to write something. I'll do it, and then like mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the time, I don't have to do that. And it's a great life, and I wish everybody could do it. And yeah, <laughs> I re I absolutely recommend reading Shop Girl. It's mm -hmm. very meditative in a way steve martin is awesome and i love yeah, him so he's much great. and i do i, I refuse him. to outlive him and i, <laughs> I refuse <laughs> tell me he died and i'm ending my life um is that how you're gonna no. use your cyanide tooth <laughs> i don't know something's gonna fill all these rotting teeth with no just don't insurance. count on twitter they're always saying people are dead when they're not um okay yeah. i got this and I, I feel like i should cut this short because like um games uh, people are used to nowadays uh games most people aren't willing to put games on a new platform people either haven't bought or cannot buy and if you remember the ps2 mm. it was sold out for months so why would i release a movie on a <laughs> on a movie player no one can buy so nobody does this anymore you have to wait a really long time before people start supporting uh physically these other platforms but the, the PlayStation was such a huge success, it had a giant lineup of mostly third-party stuff. Uh, Command & Conquer, Time Splitters, Mega Man Legends 2, Midnight Club, uh, Ridge Racer 5, Spyro Year of the Dragon, Madden NFL, Tech and Tag Tournament, and SSX, I think, being like the only must-owns in my world, and Bust a Move Millennium. Uh, we'll go into that more on Patreon.com. Oh, did you woot Bust a Move? Bust a Move is one of the only games I'm good at. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I cannot believe we have so not played together. Um, <laughs> we should play online. <laughs> we should stream <laughs> us playing Bust a Move. Does, does it involve one button? Yeah. Then I'm good at it. <laughs> one button and moving around. I love Bust a Move so much. Uh, but with that, we will close out 2000 with uh, Good Fortune by PJ Harvey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her album is out this week, and we'll be right back with 2010. So stay right there. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And what did we decide, Baker? Did Totally Totally Rad actually come out? Don't think so. But okay. if it did, it was on my birthday. I turned 14 that day. Happy and birthday, I guess that's Baker! Totally rad. It was Magical John in Japan. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a toilet accessory. It was also They were also cartoon characters in Japan. And for America, they were California surfer dudes uh -huh. who looked real, like, in the cutscenes. And it's just like, yeah, that's everything that's wrong with America. Because instead of just accepting these amazingly designed characters, like, no, 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 we want to be kids to be able to see themselves in, well, who are kids? 
and everything we watched had like a, yo, bro, let's party. Uh, we're all Sean Penn from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, no, we're fucking not. Some of us yeah, are quiet How did that become so ubiquitous that everyone was a fucking surfer yes. in the 80s, even if I, they lived in like Illinois? Some of us aren't even white. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yeah! ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of october 23rd through 29th oh let's skip through the decades merrily and talk about history shall we 50 years ago this week saw the release of akira kurosawa's dodeska den which is not a very typical kurosawa movie for kurosawa because um there's no samurai stabbing each other it's just the story of these poor people that basically live in a shanty town uh, one of them has a son who's obsessed with trains and kind of pretends he's a train sometimes. And it's really just about them struggling to survive in a very humanist way, not in a very, like, soul-destroying depression kind of way. Uh, so as sort of modern set Kurosawa movies, uh, I still recommend. It's it's lighter than usual while still being eh, pretty heavy. Then 75 years ago this week, 1945, saw the execution of someone who... His name got to be added to the dictionary, and it's not for a good reason. So I just thought I'd mention him. Uh, Former president of Norway under the Nazi-occupied government, the uh, puppet president, Vidkun Quisling, he was executed for treason. And now Quisling means someone who's a collaborator or a traitor or someone who sells out his own people. So that's a fun word to use, and you should use it today. And then because it's because it's halloween time, uh, I feel like we should throw in some sort of Halloween-y type movie, and luckily we have one celebrating its 100th anniversary. From 1920 is Der Golem, How He Came Into the World, which is technically the third, I think, Golem movie. There's actually like a couple movies by the same filmmakers called uh, Der Golem. There's one from 1915, which is like partially lost, and then there's a short comedy but usually if you're looking for Der Golem, you will find the 1921 Der Golem, How He Came Into the World, which is uh, a Frankenstein story. And it is beautifully shot because it was photographed by this guy named Carl Freund, who ended up going over to America and then was like the cinematographer on Dracula. He'd also done Metropolis. Uh, he's He knows from dark shadows, goddammit. And so it's, it's a Frankenstein story about, you know, a, a rabbi in the Jewish ghetto in Prague. And he creates this clay man to, like, go protect everyone. And so, you know, he creates a person and then the person gets out of hand. And, you know, it's it's basically Frankenstein. And it's a silent film, so you can, like, put it on in the background while you're doing Halloween stuff. And it's very, very German expressionist and dark shadows, crazy angles, spooky visuals. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Um, I pair it along with the other 100-year-old movie I've recommended, Cabinet uh, Dr. Caligari. They go together really well, and they're both, like, maybe an hour long. So, go for it. Der Golem, how he came into the world, from 1920. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Stay classic. 
Coming in with Taylor Swift, mine off of Speak Now, uh, which mine, are mine. usually things mine, that I yell at my dog, but they're all things on Taylor Swift's album. Um, mine? <laughs> mine, mine. Mine! Mine! Speak Now. Speak! 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 Oh, 1989, you're a good dog. Welcome to 2010, August 23rd to the 29th. We have some new music release like Sueño Electro, uh, I, E, uh, one. but one, Uno, Uno by uh, Bella Nova, Mastermind by Monster Magnet, um, the self-titled, uh, self-titled album by, by, by Young the Giants, Cardiology by Good Charlotte, and uh, Messy Little Raindrops by Cheryl Cole, Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars is number one. Katy Perry, the better Taylor Swift, and Ew, Russell, Bran- <laughs> and Russell yeah. Brand Mary, um, uh, they'll divorce two years later. And I still remember that because he took a incredibly unflattering, flattering picture of her waking up, like looking like she was like like crawling out of a tomb, and posted it. And like it was one of the, those things like her people are saying take that down, like take down that picture. It oh, looks real bad. I think it's like come out that he was notoriously cruel to her. Yeah, like, it was like, it was like what a fucking mean and thing to do. She had a really great. I didn't see it, but it, uh, apparently she had a very good uh, documentary, like while she was on tour come out mm-hmm. and they have footage of him breaking up with her their marriage breaking up their marriage really? via yeah. text right before she has to go on stage oh yeah i just don't no. want to see a I bunch of teenagers kind of and watch asshole. this show again i can't do it anymore i'm so mm-hmm. fucking popular i've been in one movie why <laughs> i just pretend so I'm better up than my you. butthole <laughs> 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 um Movie. I, mean, I don't love Katy Perry, but that guy's an ass. My ex did, so I'm uh, I'm a fan. But it also reminds me of election time last year when her uh-huh. anthem was going around, and I get weird feelings now when I hear a roar. Movies of this this week, the 23rd to the 29th of 2010, Monsters with um, Scoot McNary. What a great name. And Whitney so, Abel. Yeah. This, so I'm so bummed that I could not find a good trailer for this because this is one of these movies like this might be so perfect for this Halloween that you might have to not watch it this Halloween hmm. because monsters is we're going to tie it, tying it all together. It. It's kind of like Cloverfield yep. in that it is about a disaster, but not like the scientists and the generals and stuff. It's just regular people trying to get through this disaster. Mm-hmm. And the disaster is giant, scary tentacle aliens have landed in Mexico and now they have this quarantine zone and America's built a wall to try to stop the monsters from getting through. But it's not going very well, y'all. Hmm. And it's about these two folks trying to get through this quarantine zone to get back to the States while also scary tentacle monsters. Uh, and it's I love very it. low budget. I uh, love this movie. Loved it. And- I really enjoyed it. A lot of people complain like nothing happens. And it's like, no. Like a lot of a lot shit of stuff happens. happens. It's and- just not big giant action set pieces. It's more of what would it be like to be a regular civilian while like a Godzilla movie is happening somewhere over there. And mm-hmm. it's the breakthrough movie of Gareth Edwards, who was given yep. Godzilla in 2014. And that movie I fucking hated because you do not take an independent movie approach to Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla dances, wrestles, and throws fire. I don't care what the human perspective is on his, him necessarily. And that's my main problem whenever I watch that 2014 Godzilla movie. But this movie I fucking loved. And the ending, yeah. the ending gives you monsters. Like a yeah. lot of monsters. And I mean, by the ending, I mean the very end. These zoom out <laughs> into credits. Mm. But, uh, but I thought yeah. this was a fantastic way to tackle a Godzilla movie with no Godzilla budget. Hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, they did it basically like six or seven people, including Mm -hmm. the actors Mm -hmm. out in like Belize and Guatemala. Um, They get locals to be in it. A lot of it, the dialogue is improvised. Mm -hmm. Like they're making it like they're a documentary crew that is going through a disaster and they're just kind of painting the disaster part in later. It's it's clever. As like a 10 years after Blair Witch, it's like a Blair Witch approach to a Godzilla movie. Which is yep. neat, and uh, I, I I haven't seen it recently, so I'm not sure if I recommend it. And I'm really mad at his Godzilla movies. <laughs> which I actually, I, I mean, I I like the first Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. except that I hated that Aaron Taylor Johnson was always popping up whenever Godzilla popped up. Yes. Or it's like this poor guy everywhere he goes, Godzilla shows up. It's like if we'd had a couple more characters to make him not like fucking Forrest Gump versus Godzilla. Maybe it, that'd be okay. There are all these sequences that I, in my first viewing of Godzilla that I loved because it took this approach because you mm-hmm. only see Godzilla from a human being's point of view. You're not yep. going to see his head because they can't see his head because they're on the ground. But unless they're on a bridge that's o- like overstanding a ravine where Godzilla is, it's the only time you'll see the top of Godzilla's head. They won't just won't show it to you other than that. And like, yeah, sorry, no. <laughs> no, that is not how <laughs> Godzilla not what movies you wanted. Work. No, no, not at all. Like, not, is it just that it's you don't want that for Godzilla? So like Cloverfield was cool. Yeah, Cloverfield, but but it, it's a little different than that because like there is a god. There's there are two monsters fighting one another in that movie, but you only see mm-hmm. it from the humans' perspective, and yeah. and they kept to the the code of the code of this movie weirdly, which I appreciate. Um, but you do have the budget now, and what you did before doesn't work here. Just because you're mm-hmm. the only person who bothered to direct an innovative monster movie doesn't mean you get to make Godzilla. Anyway, uh, he made anyway, a, he made a great yeah. Star Wars. I like Rogue One. Um, yeah, I think Rogue One got unfairly uh, trashed in yeah. a lot of oh, no, lot not of in Star Wars communities now. Everyone loves it. Most people love that yeah. movie. Yeah, people come around. Yeah, after like, after yeah, after monsters. Last Jedi hurt their hurt their little baby oh. ball so much, uh, they love Rogue One. Yeah, <laughs> like I just I don't know rewatching chunks of monsters and being like, this feels like six months from now. So <laughs> that I didn't think about. Yeah, there is there there is a distinct feeling of like, am I just in a prologue <laughs> to this movie? Ah, shit! The last dumb president built a wall, and now I can't get into Mexico. Fuck! <laughs> why, do we, why do we vote for this guy? Um, <laughs> I've never heard of Welcome to the Rileys, but it's a James Gandolfini movie, and he's he's like not long for this world. He's dead in like two or three years, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, his last movie was Enough Said, which was in 2013. Okay. So, yeah. He's got some time. No, I'm just thinking, I, I love James Gandolfini so fucking much. And, oh, and, yeah, me and, too. And, and I didn't remember this movie, and whatever it is, whatever you tell me about it, I'll see it, because I love Jim, as his friends call it. And welcome to the Rileys. There's someone that I want you to meet. I'm your wife. Don't just call after 30 years and say I'm not coming home. Lois Mallory. You want to pretend some runaway's your daughter? No one else to take care of. You're not my mom. I'm nobody's little girl. Mallory, we're going home. Then go ahead, damn it. I don't know where she went. Where are you staying? Here. I'll stay here too, then. Welcome to the Rileys. Read it R. No, no idea. No idea what to think of this film. Um, I'm guessing none of it's, us watched it. Mm. I mean, it's okay. It's a very, you know, indie interpersonal drama where uh, James Gandolfini and Melissa Leo are this older couple that lost their teenage daughter passed away. Mm-hmm. And that's like fucked up their marriage, obviously. And then James Gandolfini ends up meeting like teenage stripper Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. and kind of becoming her surrogate father, like wants to take care of her. And then his wife sort of shows up and they kind of create this sort of family and you know this is the healing but is it really because 
are you just putting off like realizing what's going on and are you putting this stuff on this teenager who's got all these problems and every every review was like so many of the critics i feel like maybe hadn't seen the runaways they had only seen Kristen stewart in twilight because they're like holy shit she is really like foul-mouthed and dirty and troubled and oh my god she is really grimy and it's like girl Mm. please (laughs) get used to it i I will i will i will i will seek it out now um yeah yeah it's it's just a quiet nice drama everyone's really good in it um no huge surprises and it's just it is nice to just spend time with james gandolfini just being Um, a guy yeah yeah. Oh, I miss him so much. I think Me let's too. rename Columbus Day James Gandolfini Day. I'm here for it. A hundred percent. It sucks that he's in so many bad movies that aren't true romance. And <laughs> Enough said is great. Oh, is it? I have not seen that. I've always wanted. Is it? I the, know the David Chase one. Nope. No, it's, no, uh, it's a, Nicole Holland Suffer. It's the Holoff Step. So the one with Elaine. Center. Um, right. The one with Elaine. The one I forget. I keep forgetting. I have not seen. I bounced off a saw in the second film. Um, here's the one where uh, Tobin Bell dies. <laughs> they paid no, eight more. He's been dead a while. Has he? But he's now. This is so fucking annoying. Saw 3D mm-hmm. is the seventh film. Is it? Re- what? Oh, okay. So the third one is when he died. I, this isn't the third one. Yes. No. Oh, I assume this was the third one. I know. Okay. Because when you do 3D in your title and you don't have any other indication. You just got to wait till 30D, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Or, I mean, sometimes it's called Saw the Final Chapter. Mm -hmm. But no, they just call it Saw 3D. And it's the sixth one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fair. Why are you doing this to me? These are so hard to keep track of anyway. Um, here's a TV spot. All my work has been leading to this. On October 29th, the most frightening 3D motion picture event is here. This Halloween, witness the final Saw. Saw 3D radar in 3D and 2D theaters October 29th. Ugh, 2D theaters. Except it's not because there's Jigsaw that comes out in 2017. Uh-huh. I was going to say, then, there's no way it's the final. And then Spiral, mm. which is supposed to come out in 2021. Mm. But it's the last one with Saw in the title. I'll give him that. <laughs> and uh, is a, a once, like all Saws, a modest success. It, like, it, it just, for me, it was exhausting just because they came out every Halloween. Every yep. Halloween. Even Halloween movies didn't come out every fucking Halloween. Yep. Every uh, year since 2004. Just like clockwork. It's perfect. Which, that makes me happy. I, I like that. That mm-hmm. there's something reliable like that. I, yeah, I've not seen a Saw movie ever. Mainly because like Saw was birthed at the same time as like a lot of the whole torture porn horror genre. It's and that was porny. just not... Saw 1 is phenomenal. I, I know I've heard that. and I, I, I like Saw 1. I sure that's probably true but that's not the genre i mean i'm already a scaredy cat and that's not the genre of horror that i enjoy watching i prefer more of a supernatural situation mm. personally. Mm. All, right. all right well i mean this one i guess is fun in that it does kind of all come back around to saw one because you see carrie elway sitting there in the cast so mm-hmm. but and i also have to say i am torn because i love puzzles <laughs> and i hear that that is a big part of saws yes. it is yeah it's true. But the your body is the puzzle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh yeah. Good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. right. Well, as we move into TV, uh, Saturday Night Live this week, uh, your host, Emma Stone, and musical guest, the Kings of Leon. Um, So this mm. week we don't have a lot for TV to talk about. And uh, this on this SNL is the like the season first appearance of Stefan. So fuck it. The world is a dark place and we all need a little joy. (laughs) So here's a little Stefan clip. Yeah. Isn't the story that Stefan had a sketch and it didn't work? In this episode? No, he had he had a he had a sketch like he was like in a sketch and it oh. didn't work and then they put him on weekend update to do essentially right. the same thing and like oh it clicks it really clicks here him yes. telling Seth about deranged nightclubs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and, and I sexual mean, delights. And we talked about it more last year mm-hmm. when Stefan premiered as a character but yeah mm-hmm. like the 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 reason a lot of times you see Bill Hader break so much as the character of Stefan is because the person who wrote for Stefan was John Mulaney and he mm-hmm. would generally not give Bill Hader a heads up on what he was going to be saying as Stefan. <laughs> so like the idea is that generally when he's reading the, he's the cue card, for the first time. it's the first time. And so he breaks <laughs> so many times like as Stefan which kind of like makes it even better honestly yes. like I don't know I know that's like a raging you know debate about corpsing on SNL like is no, it funny, is I, it I, funny I still don't but... understand it uh, Lauren doesn't like this but allowed John Mulaney to do this to Bill Hader repeatedly <laughs> <Yeah>. repeatedly just <laughs> him having so to sing the word Taylor Negron um, <laughs> 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 On the spot, uh, but I, I have no idea what's in this clip. New York's hottest club is Gush. <laughs> club owner Gay Dunaway has built a fantasy world, world that answers the question, now? <laughs> this place has everything. Geeks, Sherpas, a Jamaican nurse wearing a shower cap, room after room of broken mirrors. And look over there in the corner, is that Mick Jagger? No, it's a fat kid on a slip and slide. <laughs> His knees look like biscuits. <laughs> and he's ready to party. <laughs> so, so, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it was not Mick Jagger. No, it wasn't Mick Jagger. It was this fat kid with biscuits. Okay, gotcha. This is not double check. Okay, Stefan, right. now, uh-huh. the reason I wrote you and asked you to come back yeah, here, I wrote you a letter. letter. That's the only way you'll communicate. I wrote you a letter and I asked you to come back here because mm-hmm. New York is really making a push, tourism push for normal American families, yes, you know? They so are. they are, Aren't yes. They? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if you could just take a minute, and you don't have to do it now, but if you could take okay. a minute okay. and think of just some fun, wholesome places, okay. not for people like you, awesome. but for visitors, <laughs> not, American not visitors from normal middle America, we you would really appreciate it. it. So just okay. don't talk until you're sure you have it. I got it already. Okay. New York's hottest club is push. <laughs> this club has everything. Ghosts, Good. banjos, Great. Carl Palladino, a stuck-up kitten who won't sign autographs. <laughs> Furkles. Oh, do I want to know? Yes, you do. So Furkles are? Fat Urkel. Right. <laughs> oh, I love that shit. By the way, uh, John Mulaney is in the new Treehouse of Horror, and I have never been more wow. livid learning that uh, today. <laughs> like, oh, great. Another thing I can't see. I love John Mulaney so much. I love him so much. Uh, the uh, horse is loose in the hospital, y'all. And the horse <laughs> is loose. The horse fired the horse catcher. <laughs> uh, the, 
I had never perfected my impression of him until I sent Sarah that com- there's a, a, a comedian on YouTube who just did John Mulaney singing, singing WAP <laughs> and uh, sent it to her. And I just, I get a, it was just a message of disgust. Like, I wish I'd never heard that. I get a bucket and a mop with your wet ass. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> my reaction was, thanks, I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Two things I love that have been combined into an abomination. <laughs> Gonna write my name on this dick. <laughs> gonna... <laughs> All right, okay. Moving on. Um, one of my favorite—I know I always say this—one of my favorite episodes of Community. It's why Community is such a great show. It's not so much that it's a great zombie show; it's that you're reminded, like, unlike other sitcoms, like they will shoot this like a zombie show. Mm-hmm. This, the, these are amazing yep. filmmakers. We'll... Yeah, um, we're going to make a zombie movie. It runs 22 minutes. Deal and, with it. And it's all brought about because the Dean furnished the Halloween party with old expired army rations. <laughs> so that's the that's the that's that's why there's a zombie outbreak. But my absolute favorite clip. Did you leave my clip in here, Sarah? Um, yes. uh, there's a zombie because it's it's mostly only ABBA songs as zombie breakouts happen. <laughs> Um, they these are these movies are always made by these shows are always made by great filmmakers and they play with the trope of the dude I fucking anytime a horror movie does a cat scare and it still happens in 2020 I fucking hate it uh, community plays with that so hard this is my favorite clip from the episode um, the cat missed the the cat red herring oh is this the monster no it's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a cat. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> what is up with that cat? Is someone throwing it? Let's <laughs> <laughs> not keep moving because there is an insane cat down here. Well, what about the zombies? Back burner, Troy. This cat has to be dealt with. <laughs> It, it, it literally looks like someone's throwing a cat across the screen. <laughs> I hate the cat jump scare. I hate it so much. I the, hate it too because, the, like, in order to get that, someone had to torture a cat too. By the way, oh, I was just as someone who lives with three cats. My cats scare me all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, you I, just you literally you do just sort of throw it. I, Oh, she thought she was eating. So now she tripped me. I fell down the stairs. I'm screaming and my girlfriend is calling the police. That's a cat scare in our household. Like it happens all day long. Yeah, that's a good point. They always have the spring loaded cats in movies and they never have the cat that walks in your blind spot and trips you. Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. a shirtless Donald Glover having a cat thrown in his face. Is someone throwing it? Yes, it is very much a cat being thrown. Um, hey, well, but he's shirtless because he's sexy Dracula now. You're right. Oh, he's not- I, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> Which just, for some reason, that involves a, a tissue seat cover for what? a public toilet. <laughs> I never understood that part. I understand why he changes out of his nerd costume to be sexy Dracula. But well, it's because he had to make cover. do with what he had. So he had to just like, it's well, like. What is cape. that, a cape? It's like the oh. cape with the like thing that goes up around <laughs> your neck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped in a, uh, a great nerd costume, Community is one of the big, greatest shows that many of you have never seen, so please watch it. Sean White Snowboarding is out for everything. That was uh, Ubisoft's like, yeah, everyone loved SSX 10 years ago. They're going to love Sean White Snowboarding. He's, our, he's a very charismatic. He's the Tony Hawk of our age. And it didn't Yay. quite take, but I don't hate Sean White. I think he's a perfectly fun dude. Tony Hawk um, is the Tony Hawk of our age. He is, and uh, I... I 
I don't know, a friend of mine, a couple friends of mine today, because of the weird business I'm in, just like, ah, here's the thing I did with Tony Hawk seven years ago. I'm like, isn't he the nicest person who ever existed? And everyone's like, yes, yes, he is. Tony Hawk <laughs> is the greatest human being I've ever met. My favorite thing is when stories pop up every now and then on Twitter about people being like, telling Tony Hawk, like, you look like Tony Hawk, or like, <laughs> you look like an old version of Tony Hawk. And he's like, I, I, I am. Because, like, I, my favorite is a tweet from him. He's in airport security. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Anthony Hawk, like Tony Hawk. You're like, yep, like Tony Hawk. And like, I wonder what he's up to right now. He says, this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Sounds like a good guy. Fable three is out this week, and we will discuss. We have to discuss these more in depth with the Video Game Apocalypse boys, because um, uh, we we were working in the industry when all this happened. Uh, Star Wars Force Unleashed two, where Star Wars <laughs> Force Unleashed one made every a lot of other endings not canon and one canon because this is the first game with choices that was supposed to be canon and i find it infuriating that it exists rock band 3 which introduced the the, the keyboard <laughs> um a lot of yes yeah. songs added to the playlist <laughs> um it's a weird instrument. It was about my, about the end of my super interest with the game. I love buying. I bought DLC for this like every week. I loved Rock Band. Um, and my favorite thing any game has ever done with Halloween: Red Dead Redemption: colon, Undead Nightmare. I yeah. I know every person I'm talking to now has at least seen their husband get infatuated with Red Dead Redemption. The story uh. of Western <laughs> authentic riding this is my horses. My life right now. Riding horses. It's happening. Undead Nightmare. Added like Bigfoot, uh, <laughs> uh, shit, griffins and uh, chupacabra, like all the zombies, every single thing that could happen in the old west, uh, that was a myth in the old west became real and has this uh, like online DLC mode that is fucking wonderful and not canon with the rest of the story, but like, like a Simpsons episode, like any, anyone can be infected and anyone can die. And it was uh, it was so silly and and but taken very seriously. Undead Nightmare is my favorite DLC anyone has ever ex- like ever made. A giant open world game that just becomes Halloween during Halloween. So fucking cool. So salute to Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare for real. Like you all deserve a ton of credit for that. Not as much credit as we do. And stay with us because we have to tell you who died and who lived during this, uh, and and tease what's happening next week. But um, laser time this week. Again, we got Stephen King stuff. We'll talk more about things like Graveyard Shift. Maybe Graveyard Shift. Don't take my word for it. I was on back medication. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but we'll talk. We'll talk. I do remember talking about The Shining and Misery and like really good uh, Stephen King films that have uh, like like made him synonymous with the horror genre, despite writing a lot more movies that don't involve horror or are terrible and forgotten. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, yes, and my my spouse was on both of those episodes, yes, and same. he had a good time. So I imagine they were pretty good episodes. It was the most fun I've had spending eight hours watching things for shows ever in my life. Uh, it really nice. was. And please watch Cat's Eye. That's like my favorite movie out of all this. Cat's Eye, so good. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's an anthology movie. Uh, Diana, you'll love the first one. It's good. You'll like the second one. You'll love the third. The third one. Um, hmm. Cat's okay. Eye, baby. Uh, it's a PG-13, so don't expect a lot of things to be disemboweled or anything like that. You'll love and it. And a baby Drew Barrymore. Baby Drew Barrymore. Yeah. 
Okay. The Lincoln. whole time. Uh, we talked about anthology movies last week on Laser Time, but uh, we got to thank um, uh, people like Wes Skirvin. Am I, if I'm saying his name right, Wes Sekervin. 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 Um, Wes Craven. Thank uh, you, Wes. Don't, don't hey. do that to me. <laughs> Undead Wes Craven cannot be hiding out in our Facebook community. Uh, that would be... <laughs> But I love I, I, the great guy, and, and and he's one of many people at patreoncom time supporting us, helping us make a uh, thirty twenty ten games possible, keeping our equipment up to date. If you're a fan and you want to do something nice, maybe rate us and review us on iTunes. Yeah, that's free. Yeah, we haven't said that nice. in a little while, that's but free. I mean that's certainly helpful. Right, totally mm-hmm. is. You could you could uh, make a snide comment under one of your right wing family members' comments on their Facebook posts, or just say like, nah, I. I'm going to put this in your head. I should say something nice on a laser time platform <laughs> instead of responding to my evil aunt. <laughs> yes. Where can yep, people find that? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. And coming up next week, speaking of horror video games, mm. we're going to have the film that is probably the largest inspiration for Silent Hill. What? According oh. to the creators, Holy this shit. is true. I don't La-la. automatically know what this is, and I'm mad at mm. Diana for phrasing it like this, because it makes me mm-hmm. look stupid. Um, <laughs> the game and horror guy. But I can't wait to find out. I cannot wait to find out. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happening next week that makes me very, very happy. Um, but who is who is dead during this period? Uh, all right, let's get to births and deaths. So uh, in 1990, we lost two guys. We lost Xavier Cougat. Which uh, God, that's such a cool name, but cool he was a name. Latin Latin music band leader. Oh, uh, that's not yeah. what the stuff that's in a Charleston shoe. That's nougat. No, I'm sorry, that's uh, nougat. No, nougat. <laughs> nougat. <laughs> but he was 90, so I mean, he had an amazing run. And uh, filmmaker Jacques Demy, who was only 59, mm. uh, he made one of the major inspirations for La La Land, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and was married to Agnes Varda, the also French New Wave filmmaker. So. Yeah. They were pretty cool. Yeah, Umbrellas of Cherbourg is incredibly enchanting and very fun to watch. Rest in power, Jacques. Mm. Oui. Oui. <laughs> but, but with that out of the way, we got to figure out who was born with a birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. All right, we got someone turning 60 who does not fucking look 60. This Ooh. was a major surprise. I had to double check. Okay. So, born Paul October Rudd. 24th. Oh. What? Paul Rudd? No. <laughs> no. Good shot in the dark. <laughs> eh, fair enough. All right. So, born October 24th, 1960 in San Francisco Sunset District. He went to SF State. Go Gators! OJ Simpson? No. No. But <laughs> he dropped out, moved to New York, and by the time he was 30, he was the... Turns out he is the only actor in Broadway history to completely sweep all of the Broadway awards for one role. Wow. Tony, Critics Circle, Derwent, Drama Desk, Theater World Award. Won them, sweeped it for this one, one role, where he starred opposite last week's birthday quiz, John Lithgow. Not Nathan Lane? No. no. Fair enough, yeah. It's not Mandy Patinkin. He's too old. Nope. I love him You're so just going to guess him every week. Yeah, until, I know, until she gets I until I him. Do it. Like, Mandy Patinkin is always on my mind. Oh. All right. So he's had some small roles in some movies we've talked about, like Karate Kid 2, Executive Decision, and Family Business. Not Kurt Russell? No. Other movies are uh, The Freshman, Seven Years in Tibet, and Mulan, the original one. John Leguizamo? In Mulan? No. (laughs) In Executive Decision. 
No, keep going. In seven years in Tibet? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why, but it's not brutal Thank you, Mary. No, I'd say if he were dead. Those were all, like, not very helpful, so I'll give you some of his bigger roles we'll be talking about in the next couple of years. Like, uh, Father of the Bride and a recurring role oh, on sure. Law and Order. No! Fucking, uh, BJ... Law and Order SVU. B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong. Oh, Wong. Wong. There you go. I got it. She stole it from me! I, I couldn't think of it! No! No! She would have gotten... <laughs> She would have gotten it on, and the band played on next. No! Uh, I was there. I, I heard it. You already. were so close. And I said, Mr. I said Robot just because I said blowjob Wong doesn't mean that I meant. I, I meant you know who I meant. Oh, you guys are the worst. Uh, mm. Damn it! Uh, I love that guy, by the way. Vini uh, Wong is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. It turns out his name is Bradley Daryl. And, Ooh, and I, I think he's the, he's the only connective DNA from the old Jurassic Parks to the new ones at this point. Yeah, pretty um, much. I was so wow. happy when he showed up in Jurassic World. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my god, you're back! Yeah, I'm going to take this DNA and god. fly away and be in the next movie. I'm like, good for you, buddy. Good for I you. I tried so yeah. hard in vain to find a copy of, uh, for some reason, in my iTunes from some CD that I had burned, I have a copy of A Drag Queen Christmas, which is a Christmas carol that he sings that I tried to get <laughs> for our like parody dirty Christmas carols episode that we did that one time. I could not get it in like a burnable copy, but it's very good if you can find it. That's a bummer. He was so freaking cool on Mr. Robot. Yeah, I was so was, every time he popped up, I was just so happy. I was so weirded out when I walked into Walmart and like, uh, man, I can't wait to see a Mr. Robot shakes out. I'm like, Mr. Robot, the complete series. Like, fuck, I suck so much at this now. Like, I suck, <laughs> I suck so bad at this. Uh, I just love B.D. Wong so much mm-hmm. in Father of the Bride. Yeah. Iconic. Yep. Truly mm-hmm. iconic. That's true. I think we get to talk about it next year. Oh, I'm so and, excited. Uh, yeah. In case you wanted to know the role he swept all the Broadway awards being the only guy who's ever done that was for M. Butterfly. Really? Ah. Yep. Okay. Okay. I've With seen part of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, good on Yay. you, B.D. So, again, he does not look 60, but happy birthday, B.D. Hell no. Yeah. Uh, are we closing out with What It's All About by Run DMC? They got a new album out this I- week. Yeah, well, they did 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Uh, I thought we, thought we might as well. Uh, it's it's a little bit more hip-hoppy and political than maybe you're used to hearing from Run DMC. Uh, I kind of liked it. so. I'm okay with that because my, my girlfriend's like, new Public Enemy song just came out right now and it's anti-Trump. I'm like, let me hear that shit. I'm like, that's embarrassing. I didn't no. re- I didn't realize my dad's could be, become younger, black, and more embarrassing. But here we are <laughs> with a new, <laughs> the new Public Enemy song. Uh, so anything that is not that. What it's all about, everyone, DMC. We, we will see you next week. Tell a friend about the show. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. We love you. Uh, watch something you love. And uh, stay spooky. Peace. Goes down.